Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Today we want to talk about something else. You know, and I was asking the Lord, I prepared this charge, you know, and it should have been fitting for you to hear this before you pray. You know, but when your pastor told me I'm going to come up, you know, sometime past 11, I was now like, how is this going to work? And the Lord said to me, that's exactly how I want it. Because you see, if you had heard this charge before the prayer, you would have thought it is to charge you to pray. But we are not preparing you for an action called prayer. We are preparing you for a lifestyle, a new habit. So it is even great that after you have prayed for hours, then you are hearing this. Just so that it will sit in your spirit well and you know that, listen, we were not preparing you for the prayer that you prayed. We were preparing you for a habit, a lifestyle. Masters are people who are great at the fundamentals. I want you to write it down. In every field, Anyone who is a master is someone who is extraordinary at the fundamentals. A lot of people think that great people have this complicated, esoteric method to what they do. But many great people are just great at the fundamentals. And I'm going to use a very simple, relatable example. Hopefully, it's relatable to everyone. But even if not everybody watches boxing, at least you know Deontay Wilder and you know Fury. And everyone who has followed Deontay Wilder knows he has this devastating knockout punch. But he has fought Tyson Fury twice and he couldn't knock him out. And the reason is why. I'll tell you why because I know a little about boxing, just a very little. And I've been learning about it lately. Tyson Fury doesn't have a knockout punch that is as devastating as Wilder. I don't think he does. But he's a master at the fundamentals. When you talk about the orthodoxy of boxing, the stance, the defense, the movement, is the best in the world. And so even if Wilder is waiting for that opportunity to knock him out, he just never saw it because the stance is right. Let me tell you something. It is very boring to be professional. Very boring. Because even as a fan, you like explosive boxing. You like explosiveness in anything. So we like people who can knock out. But the professionals will say, just do like this. You know, so when you study maybe another boxer, like Mayweather. So when you study another boxer like Mayweather, he's not exactly flashy or stylish. He just has the best defense. And he will just put his hand in the same way, like a hedgehog, you know, um, a businessman, I think Jim Collins, 
called something the hedgehog principle. This is leading somewhere, and it's very important. He called something the hedgehog principle. And he talked about a fox trying to catch a hedgehog. He, the fox is trying to eat a hedgehog. The fox has several wise schemes. The fox is intelligent. The fox can smell. The fox can hide. The fox can do a lot of things. The hedgehog has only one skill. The skill is to roll up and bring out spikes when the enemy comes. That's the only skill. And he knows that skill well. So the fox will scheme, hide, pounce. But the hedgehog, as soon as he sees the fox coming, will just roll. And it was simple but very effective. Boring but effective. Let me tell you something. This generation likes entertainment too much. We are a fickle generation. And we don't understand that what makes people great is usually the boring stuff, the repetitive stuff, the things that are done behind the scenes. You know, I worked for my IT for one of the great you know, construction firms in Africa. And I went to a particular site two years. They had been working on that site. And it looked like there was almost nothing to show. Why? They were building a skyscraper and they were building downwards. So after two years, the structure had not come up yet. Are you listening to me? But we have a generation that is quick to desire the spotlight. Quick to desire to come out, to hold the microphone, to stand on a stage. Meanwhile, those who will last in greatness, not just those who will be great, who will last in greatness, have burned the midnight oil, investing where nobody was seeing them. And so when they come on the scenes, it looks like they are fast, but they've spent time. Spend time behind the scenes. Come on, are you listening to me? So yesterday, I told you how that at the age of 12, Jesus already had enough knowledge to be conversing with doctors and lawyers. Think of a 12-year-old. Maybe you have a younger brother or a nephew or a cousin who is 12. Just imagine a 12-year-old child talking with lawyers and doctors, and they are astonished at his wisdom. Astonished. At the age of 12. But guess what? He had to wait 18 years before the ministry started. He had mind-blowing knowledge at 12, but he had to wait till he was 30 to start. So what you now need to ask yourself is, what was he doing those 18 years? He will wake up every morning, he will pray, and then he will go and serve with his father as a carpenter for 18 years. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, nailing wood. And in nailing wood, you are developing character, developing people's skills, developing empathy. One of the greatest things God did for me was to make sure I worked a secular job one year before ministry, full-time ministry started. And I want to advise, it doesn't matter the call you have, full-time call, try to work. Because you see, when I see some pastors and the simple mistakes they make, it's because they don't have 
a real human experience. They don't, they don't have, they, they, they've not been exposed. There's a kind of exposure. You, you, you see, you are already esoteric. You are a man of God. You don't, there are some things you don't see. Are you aware when you become a great man of God, it's very difficult to know people's true character because everybody will form around you. But when you are working in the office, you might even be a man of God, but as long as you are coming to the office, there's a way people will talk to you that will develop patience. <laughs> you will develop patience. You will understand people better. You will develop empathy. You will learn how to answer questions. You will learn accountability. But if you start your life on a high, a high pedestal, it might kill you. Are you listening to me? The reason why some men of God overwork their staff, they never give them a break, is because they don't have a secular work experience. They don't know there's something called, you know, leave. They are not used to it. I work hard and, I, and everyone around me, I expect them to work hard, but there are just some things that these things will help you see. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? And you're waiting 18 years. And we don't even have any proof in the Bible that Jesus knew exactly when he would start. We don't have any proof. Because if his starting was predicated on John the Baptist starting, there's some uncertainty there. And even then, it is until the Spirit comes upon him that he is to start. A lot of uncertainty. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? So, it's you, when you started praying this morning, at least you knew you had an idea that, patak patak by 12. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> you know? It's a different ball game when you are following God without a timeline. Are you listening to me? It is fancy for you to just prepare a church program, wear a nice suit, prepare a nice sermon, come and deliver. But when you are waking up for years, just serving God for God's sake, reading the Bible, not because you are going to preach, but just because it is a lamp unto your feet and your light and a light unto your path. There is a kind of character that that will develop in you. Listen, don't miss that important period before the limelight comes. Cherish it. Cherish it. Some of you, what you covet, if it lands on you, it will kill you. You don't even know. Even the discipline, the character. I'm not supposed to tell you this. As I got to the hotel yesterday, I told your pastor, I said, press my back. Press my If you need to climb me. This time last year, he had to, I laid on the floor and he, was, he climbed my back like this. That's a different type of impartation. <laughs> because maybe you don't understand. I have done three camp meetings. You can add this maybe as four. In the past three months, three, 
only one guest minister, me. And so you see the pictures, you see the crowd, you think it's easy. And then you must still have a prayer life. And you must still be a good husband and a good dad. It's not easy. Are you listening to me? So you see, those 18 years, yours, I don't know how many God is going to give you. You must cherish it. And you must build character. And you must enjoy it. I'm glad for the time God gave me to prepare. I'm glad. You know, I told you yesterday how that I was praying to God. Let me start early. I was foolish. I'm glad. I see the wisdom of God in preparation. Sometimes I miss those days. I have never traveled anywhere in the world, and I didn't see at least one person that knows me. Even Maldives. Tanzania, I mean, the nooks and crannies, there is no country in the world where we don't have at least a disciple. And it's a pleasure. That's the calling of my life, but sometimes it can get overwhelming. This, this scrutiny will drive you nuts. You, just one funny comment on IG, you did not sleep. <laughs> and you say you, you want greatness. You are ready for the line. You are not ready. Build character. Are you with me? Build character. You want an extraordinary anointing and you have hot temper. You will put people in trouble. There was a day, you know, I was in a company of friends, and I said something jokingly. As soon as I said it, I felt the anointing from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I ran to the room. I told my wife, I said, I've done something. I've done something. She said, what is it? I said, I was joking. I said this, and I felt the anointing. I knew what it meant. And that thing happened. Are you listening to me? There is a discipline watching your tongue. Eh? And I'm, I said all of that to actually talk specifically about the prayer life. That Jesus, for 18 years, no one knows he's the son of God. No one even knows he's a prophet. No one even suspects. In fact, there is a saying, nothing good can come out of Bethlehem. Nothing good. So nobody was expecting anything extraordinary. But for 18 years, he's waking up to a devotional life for God's sake. Not for anybody's sake, just for God's sake. And enjoying God. It's a mindset to have. Nobody will clap for me, but I do it. I told you it's boring to be great. Boring. Because the part, the lost aspect of greatness that people look at and admire, I mean, that's just at the peripherals. The real foundation is the back end, and the back end doesn't look nice. Those of you who code, the back end of every website is not as presentable as the front end. Do you, you get what I mean, right? 
You just see codes there. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus told the disciples, he said, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from an eye. Again, I tell you, when you were praying this morning, at least you knew by 12 you will end. Latest. But this one, no timeline was given. Tarry for five hours. Did he say for five hours? Did he say for one day? Did he say for three days? Until when? And that endowment can happen and it, it is whenever the Lord so pleases. <laughs> whenever he so chooses. And so every morning they just wake up and guess what? The spirit had not come, so they were not speaking in tongues. Do you know what it means to pray in your known language for 10 hours? You know, that's a different grace. You know, you can go matoko, protoko, protoko, two hours, five hours. But when you're praying in... <laughs> Father, I, you know, that's when your idiosyncrasies will kick in. You know, some of you, you repeat the same thing. Everlasting Father, King of Glory. I thank you, Everlasting Father, King of Glory. Oh, Lord God Almighty. Give me another one. Eternal Rock of Ages. <laughs> You will repeat, Taya. <laughs> Those things, are, you're already used to it. Every two sentences, you must add it. We have idiosyncrasies. By the time you enter five hours, you see all those people who pray long, you know, it will start getting shorter. From Olua, God understands. <laughs> He uh, uh. <laughs> <You> goes short. <laughs> Hallelujah! Tarry until you be endured with power from on high. And then that day came. The Bible says all of a sudden there was a sound as a rushing mighty wind. And the Spirit of God filled the room where they were. And cloven tongues as of fire sat on the head of everyone. Because that day, they woke up to a routine. They didn't know that was the day. They didn't know. So you'll be going about your own devotion. You don't know the day of your announcement. It is not by making noises. You know, in school, I kept minding my business, building capacity, you don't know when God is going to announce you. Until one day, one God, guy was manifesting, you know, you know, a demon spirit, and some guys tried to pray for him. I was not there. And then the demon said, on this ground, only two people can cast me out, Oyedeko and Emmanuel Iren. First and foremost, I can explain, I believe, that with the consciousness of who you are in Christ, every believer can cast out devils. But I just said that to say, there is a publicity of the Spirit that is not orchestrated by flyer, by sponsored post on Instagram, by telling a friend. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? So when the sons of Sceva say, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? Then the Bible says the word of the Lord increased in the city. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. The prevailing power of the word started from that event. Because Paul was not even there. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the demons acknowledged in his absence. This is why the Bible says, when you pray, enter your closet. Don't pray like a hypocrite. Hypocrites like to pray that they will be seen. Enter your closet. He says, and God who sees the secret will do what? Reward you openly. Come on, you're not following me. I said, God who sees the secret will do what? Say it again. God who sees the secret will reward you. How? See, that's what you should go for. He says, if you do it, that men will see you. You have your reward. You already have your reward. You have helped yourself with marketing. God doesn't need to advertise you anymore. Because you might have been faithful like David. In the field, when the prophet comes, he will not sit down until you come. He won't sit down. If you build this character, you are not studying so that you can put something deep on Facebook. You're just studying to know the Lord, to evangelize as he has commanded, to raise disciples, to love him. You are praying to grow, to be prepared to be of service to him. This is where it starts. You must get the right perspective. No matter the results you've had in the past, you say, God, I still need you. I'm still broken. I still realize my insufficiency in myself, in my own strength, in my own capacity. No matter how, you, how profound you are in teaching or in the mir miraculous, you start a new year without praying, without some form of retreat, Without asking God questions, that's a terrible habit. And so it is fitting that you are hearing this now. After Moses had parted the Red Sea, he got to the other side and he said, God, if you don't go with us, I will not go anywhere. Do you know what it means to part an ocean? If you part swimming pool, that's big old. Mr. Blog will carry it. Swimming pool. That you stretch your hand like this and swimming pool divided. Wah. Ah. That's a barrel. <laughs> then you didn't do it for a lake. You did it for an ocean. It divided, and the Bible says the walls of the ocean congealed to the left and to the right. That was the first aquarium known to the world. And it must have taken them days to get to the other side. Just seeing the power of God constantly for days. You know, you are seeing the walls of the ocean and you are walking. You are, you are walking in the middle of power. No wonder Miriam, when she got to the other side, she just started singing. She brought out tambourine. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none besides him. Neither is there any She just started singing. 
But despite all the results he had seen, his rod turned into a serpent, swallowing the rods of the magicians, all the plagues, that you as an individual stand up to a government and prevail. Are you aware that's what happened? We're talking about a prophet versus a nation. <laughs> without gun, without an army, just with words and with a rod. And then you say, you still have the brokenness to say, if your presence does not go with us, we're not going anywhere. If your presence does not go with us, we're not what? Exodus 33, 15. That's what, what I'm quoting to you. It's a mentality to build. A mentality. It takes humility to have a prayer life. And that's why if I were to title this charge, I would call it humility in prayer. Humility in prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What did I call it? What did I call it? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. It takes humility to pray. Let me tell you something. Of all the ingredients in praying, of all the recipe for a prayer life, one of the most recurrent things that Jesus taught is humility. It's humility. I know when we talk about prayer, we talk about favor, we talk about continue, continuous prayer, you know, um, importunity in prayer. We talk about praying in the name of Jesus. But here is something you need to know. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and do what? So it takes humility to have a prayer life. When you pray regularly, it means that you truly believe that you cannot make it through this life without God. It doesn't matter what you say in a worship song. We can tell your dependence on God by your prayer life. Humility in prayer. And so Jesus tells a parable. In Luke chapter 18, verse 10, you know, I realized yesterday I was quoting many texts without giving you the references, so I'm going to do it different this time. In Luke chapter 18, verse 10, it says, two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a publican. And Jesus gave this illustration this way on purpose, because when it came to um, people's perspective of moral pedestal, the Pharisees were the highest, publicans were the lowest. Who were publicans? You see, the Jews were, the Jews were colonized by the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire employed some Jews to work with them to oppress their people. 
So just imagine working with the Roman Empire, maybe as a tax collector. They were the most hated. They were the symbol of sin, publicans. And now you have Pharisees and publicans. So now the Pharisee goes to pray and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like publicans. You know, that doesn't seem like a bad thing to say. Shouldn't you be thankful that you're not like sinners? It seems like the natural thing to say. I thank you that I'm not like publicans. I fast twice a week. I give my tithes. I pray often. You know, some of us, we don't verbalize this, but we internalize this. This is our consciousness when we pray. Anytime it's time to pray to God or for someone, you know, we have this personal assessment. Have I been doing well lately? And then if we score ourselves, then we are confident. Yes or yes. That's something to repent of. It's something to repent of. So you might not verbalize it. You might not feel like you are better than the next person. But well, you assess yourself. Jesus is the one saying this. He says, and the publican will not even so much as lift up his head. He smote his chest and said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. He says, the publican left that place justified instead of the Pharisee. And this is not where he ends. Verse 14. This is the conclusion. He says, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. So this was a teaching not just on prayer, but humility in prayer. Are you getting me? For everyone who exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. So, I mean, I already read to you 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, right? That God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. And I'm here telling you that that assessment happens also in the place of prayer. In the place of prayer, you have to realize that even if you think you are doing better than the person by your side, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, left to your own personal efforts, we are all doing bad. You see, in Wayek, in those days, I don't know what it is now, you needed at least 50 to have credit, right? And if you don't have credit in mathematics or in English, no matter, even if you have A1 in Yoruba, A1 in everything else, you're not going anywhere. Is that still the case? Now, if someone has five over 100, what is that? Fail, right? If someone has 49, what is that? Many times when it comes to our efforts, we are arguing who failed more. But even if you think you are doing better morally than the person by your side, this is God's verdict. All have sinned. There is no point arguing who failed. Okay, let's use grading system. 4.5 is first class. 5.0 is first class. At the end of the day, and in many certificates, they don't even put your exact CGPA. They just put your class. Abby? Uh -huh. 
So if you add five points to GPA, congratulations. First class is what? <laughs> That's God's grading system for you. And it says in the place of prayer, that humility must be assessed. So when you are poor in spirit, you, you, you don't think that your intelligence can produce greatness this year. Ah, you will pray. You will pray. You will pray like you depend on God. You won't pray like prayer makes you cool, like it's some extra luxury, like it's not, you know, it's not really important, you know, it's just something, you know, that you do so that God will not feel bad. What do you think about Christ, the incarnate Son of God, falling to the ground to prepare for the battle ahead? The Bible says he moved further in the garden of Gethsemane, fell to the ground and cried. His sweat was like droplets of blood. Do you know that says a lot to us? Some of us, you know, we are used to declaring. Our prayers are always short. We just declare. And I've taught you this before. We pray long so that we can pray short. There are some things that you settle in that garden. Huh? You prepare for Golgotha at Gethsemane. Did you hear what I said? You prepare for Golgotha at Gethsemane. There are, don't let anybody just motivate you. There will be challenges this year. That's no prayer of doom. It's the nature of life. Life's not a bed of roses. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Ah, that's a fact. So, this retreat, albeit short, was an opportunity for you to prepare for the year. So, on one hand, to thank God for the one year of the existence of your church, but on the other hand, to prepare for the year ahead, both corporately and individually, to say, God, you know, it is your grace that has brought me this far. It is your mercy. It is by your mercy that we are not consumed. And so we will not go forward. Listen, I know theologically God is always with us. But that doesn't mean that you have positioned yourself to receive his direction or to manifest his presence. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, uh -huh. So when you're talking about God walking with you. You're talking about the manifestation of his plan. And that one takes prayer. For as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, Acts chapter 13 verse 2, the Holy Ghost said, it, it takes intimacy to see into the plan of God. It takes intimacy to see into the plan of God as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. I want it to be an ordinance in your life. You know, some people like to, you know, challenge everything that is beneficial devotion-wise. Why do we have watch night service? Someone says, is there watch night service in the Bible? I will tell you what is in the Bible. Preparing with prayer for every new season. That's in the Bible. And I want to tell you this. The concept of a new year, a new month, 
a new day gives you the opportunity to reassess your plans and to start afresh. The gift of time is the gift of newness. It just gives you a perspective. It doesn't matter how bad I've been doing. This is another chance to start again. In the realm of the spirit, there's no time. Neither is there need for time because in the realm of the spirit, everything is unchanging. Nothing can change. The devil will never be born again. Are you getting what I'm saying? Some of you have wondered, why can't the devil just say, I'm sorry? Spirits don't change. That's why it is appointed for man to die once and then judgment. Because when you enter into the realm of eternity, it is the realm of constants. The state in which eternity meets you is the state you would be forever. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the gift of time is the gift of change. Because we have time. Because there is a new day, a new month, a new year. Ah, I can change. I can go again. I can start again. That's what God is trying to tell you with creation. That you don't have to go on in foolishness, in folly, in mistakes. You can correct your error. And that when you see disorderliness in your life, just like in the beginning, like God said, let there be light, and there was light. You can prophesy over your life and arrange things in your life. And a good place to begin is prayer. Everybody bring out your phones. I want to help you be a doer of God's word. If you don't already have an alarm for prayer, I want you to set it, set it now. Set it now. And nobody is going to look at you that, ah, you don't have alarm. Set it. Set it. So in this church, we pray 6 a.m., 12 noon, 8 p.m. Set the... You know what? You've been saying, I will join. And you have not been joining the prayer time. Be more intentional. Set an alarm. Okay? And just determine, this year, I want to maintain a streak of prayer. Last year, I will pray on Monday. I won't pray on Tuesday. I won't pray on Wednesday. Then I will pray on Thursday. Then I won't pray on Friday. I won't pray on Saturday. Then I will pray in church on Sunday. I want you to flip the switch this year. Maintain a streak of prayer. Do it and see how your life will change. Are you listening to me? Do it and see how your life will change. Because it takes humility to pray. And that's why one popular example Jesus used in teaching on prayer was the Pharisees. Because those Pharisees... They were just arrogant. He says, when you want to pray, don't be like the Pharisees. He used, no wonder they killed Jesus. How can you use them as an example in your teaching? He says, they stand in the public to pray so that people will see them. He said, when you want to pray, go into your closets. Pray there. And God who sees the secret will reward you openly. The same way God saw 
David in secret rewarded him openly. It's the same way. God will see your prayer life in secret and reward you openly. Say amen if you believe. Amen. I know this teaching is very simple, but it's life-changing. The second thing I want you to do, have a prayer partner. So even if maybe, the, the, I, I want to advise someone in this church, but even if the person is not in this church, I want you to write the name of the person who is going to be your prayer partner. That's the second thing I want you to do. Write the name. Write the name. Write it. Write it. You know what I'm doing? Just because God gave a prophetic theme for the year doesn't mean it will show forth in your life. There is a positioning. So I came here to position you for the fulfillment of prophecy in your life. And for those who are tuned in online, that's what I'm teaching you. You know, to prepare you for this year. If you maintain your line of connection so that God can speak to you and you hear, that's a recipe for greatness. That when it is time for you and Barnabas to start ministry together, you can hear it. It's a recipe. Many times, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many times we are bothered about the fruits instead of the roots. We are bothered about the results instead of the structure. Oh, I wish I could change my grades in the university. I wish I could pray better. Oh, I wish I could lose some weight. Oh, I wish I could exercise better. But all those things have one thing in common, habits. So what you really need to change are the habits that influence the results that you seek. So if you can create a structure to protect the habit of prayer, a lot of things will align. A lot of things will align. And God is so wonderful. Hmm? When you pray, you will function normally. I wish I had enough time to explain what I mean. When the Bible says he spoke a parable to this end, Luke 18, 1, I think. That men, is it Luke 18 or 8? That 8. 18. All right. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. So if, now, this is the word by whom men were made. And he's telling you, when you look at the architecture of man, man is not meant to exist without a prayer life. It means it doesn't matter how intelligent you are, how hardworking you are, if you don't have a prayer life, you won't function optimally. There are a lot of things that happen naturally, seemingly naturally around you when you have a prayer life that you don't even notice. The Lord pointed out something to me years ago, almost a decade ago. How that when I finish praying, sometimes before, sometimes, sometimes after, I just start arranging my room. There is something about prayer that makes it abominable to have a scattered room. Some of you know what I'm saying. And that's how prayer arranges our life generally. There are some things, you can be okay having a scattered room. Once you pray, it will feel wrong. It will feel wrong. 
There are many things that will feel wrong when you pray because prayer is meant to be part of your fabric. Men ought always to pray. You can't function normally without praying. There are some people you will just be led to talk to. Many times we think answer to prayer comes when God speaks to us directly. Mm -mm. Sometimes it's a prompting. Sometimes it's the ordering of our steps. Many things go wrong when you don't pray. Many things. There are many things you will miss. And there are many things that are avoidable that you will not avoid if you don't pray. Because there are some things that naturally, it won't just fit into your life when you pray. From the simple things like arranging your room. Try this and see. Pray regularly and see if your relationship or your marriage will not change. See, a lot of religious people pretend that they pray and they don't pray. It is hard to have a prayer life and keep malice. It's hard. Just try this, especially this one. If you create an ordinance in your home that we will hold hands every morning and pray, do you know even psychologically, when you're fighting someone, you reduce contact? It, does, it irritates you when someone you are annoyed with tries to hold your hand. Have you noticed? There are some things that prayer will destroy. If you know that every morning we must hold dance, <laughs> that will settle quarrel. It will annoy you, but it will settle the quarrel. Prayer corrects many errors, even some errors that seem ordinary. You won't even understand it. Are you going to maintain a prayer life? Yes, Come on, I said, are you going to maintain a prayer life? Yes, you have an assurance in God. As I round off, it says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall walk and not be weary, run and not faint. Meaning, you don't have to tell everybody, I've prayed. We will see it. <laughs> your life will change. I'm telling you, your life will change. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Mount up with wings. I know when my life started changing. It seemed boring. You know, when one of my mentors would carry me out to the field. That time, it was just one hour. He said, pray one hour. I will pray like this. I, I would think that I must have prayed 58 minutes. I will check five minutes. Hey! I said, it's not die today. <laughs> I, thought I, would, I thought prayer would kill me. <laughs> but I just kept at it. I just kept at it. And my life began to change. Until one day, one of my close friends was angry. He was actually visibly angry. He locked the door. He said, sit down. What are you doing? Tell me the secrets. You know, sometimes you don't even realize how radically your life has changed. It takes an old friend to tell you, your life is changing. I don't want to be left out. Tell me. Because my life just became naturally supernatural. Even ordinary things. There was a day one of them asked me, hey, we we're just talking, and he said, just like this scripture, he quoted one scripture in the Old Testament. This was 
2007. He said, where is this text taken from? I said, I don't know. As soon as I turned my head, I saw it in the screen. Daniel chapter 3 verse 1. So I said, hey, wait. I first opened. I wasn't used to that manifestation. So I opened to check. Ah! Ah, I see. Oh, my levels all change. <laughs> ah, hey, God. I said, problem for Satan. <laughs> problem. Hey! I said, this is it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The day you will step into it, it will be like film trick. It will be like drama. But once you step into it, it does, I mean... That's all. That's all. That's all. I want to challenge you. <laughs> now, all of you are here now. Some of you are listening. Some are not listening. By the end of the year, you will, you will cause unnecessary envy. Ah. <laughs> because if you don't do it, Hallelujah. Listen, don't let an ant have more dignity than you. The Bible says something about an ant. It says, without a president. Have you seen ants? The way they will just file in one line. They are more organized than people in Lagos. <laughs> Lagos, even if you put pavement and say, walk here, some people will jump fence. But ants, you will see one line, one line. And there is nobody holding cane to say, stay on them. No, they are all in agreement. So Solomon said, go to the ants, you sluggard. You, you still need someone to tell you, ah, you have not prayed today, oh. You've not studied. I want to raise disciplined children. None of, none of my children should be struggling in school. None of my children should be mediocre at work. Ah, ah. Don't be self the God of Daniel. Put in the work. Pray when it's time to pray. Study when it's time to study. It says go to the ants. Without a governor, they know how to gather when it's time to gather. Meaning when they have a windfall, when one uncle remembers them, sends them plenty money, they don't squander it. They don't spend their money like, say, tomorrow, no, they come. The words of a famous philosopher. You have a saving culture. Because no matter how prophetic you are, there are seasons. Ah, I'm going to teach on this this month. When God tells Joseph, that there will be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Don't start praying against the seven years of famine. Save for it. Many people are praying foolish prayers. When you should have saved, you didn't save. Now you are broke and you are praying for a turnaround. He says the ants know how to save when it is time. He said, be like the ants. <laughs> When they have to use ants to advise you. Ants that has little or no brain. I want you to make a commitment. Let me tell you something. 
it, it, it takes more work to make people great. You know, I could just come here. Preaching can never be a disadvantage in my life, even impromptu. I can just come here, minister to people, you know, and all of that. I can do that all the sessions. But now, when I teach you first night on humility, teach you on the discipline of a prayer life, these are things that if you build, you will stand the test of time. Many impartations don't last more than three weeks because you don't have the capacity to sustain it. Day one, your body will be vibrating like this. Day two will be vibrating. Day three, it will be just one hand. By day four, you don't have the discipline to sustain it. Are we being honest? You know what I'm saying is true. But if I teach you this and you learn it, you will build something sustainable. That's why before I impart you this afternoon, I'm going to teach you the laws of change. Seven areas you must change. And then there will be an impartation to do it. You get what I'm saying? So that you will know that everything God wants to do in and through your life will be done this year. That's one great thing I've, I prayed for that God will use me to do in your life. That if God says start, you will start. If God says go, you will go. If God says stop, you will stop. It's a grace. Say with me, dear Jesus. By your spirit, I walk in humility. And this humility shows forth in my prayer life and in my dependence on you in my reliance on your grace this year help me to maintain a prayer life help me to tarry help me to build consistency help me to show forth stamina in season and out of season whether people are watching or not, whether I'm preaching or not, whether I'm leading or not, help me to build stamina for your sake and according to your word as I labor in private. Thank you for public rewards. I receive the prophecy of a greater light. light. I step into it. I prepare for it. I position myself for it. I will never be the same again. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Shout glory! Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000 Blessings